Anything combat with Johnny K. Well, it's anything combat, though. Welcome back. That's the Anything Combat show, wherein we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by a special guest. He's the head coach of boxing at Tiger Muay Thai, personally my favorite gym. He makes world champions. He was a boxer. Please welcome John Boy Boxing, John Hutchinson. How are you today, John? I'm good, thank you. I hope you're well. Let me ask you, what did you do today with Anatoly? What did you work on? Uh, so th- this morning we had him in doing a, his footwork and uh, stretching. We do a lot of stretching. We had his stretching a lot in his camp. And then the night we started his wrestling work. So we're wrestling in pads tonight like a surrogate. This is just his first day of camp. He, he could fight next weekend. Are no, you sure? the guys. The guy, he could fight tomorrow, I'm not sure. He would sleep, the guy. The guy is phenomenal. You know, I was uh, trying to do research on who he was fighting. I went on Tapology to try and find it. I couldn't find it. Do you know who his opponent is? I, I do, but I don't know if I can announce it just yet, you know. But it, yeah, it's I don't think be it's been confirmed. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, we know, we have an idea now, and we're just starting to prepare. We're just waiting on the date, but as soon as we get the date, I can speak a bit more about it, you know, but it's a, it's a good fight. Can you tell me about, this is something that I found really interesting. When I was looking at the Fabricio Haggerty fight, at the very end, after the fight concluded, Haggerty went up to your corner, spoke to the guys, and he spoke to you, and he also spoke to Fabrizio. Can you tell me what he said? Because I we couldn't hear it. Uh, it just came up, and I said, look, guys, it's, there's always uh, there's never a loss. You always learn. It, it was a nice word. But then him and Philippe had a bit of a goal. I said to Philippe, he said, you're next. And uh, then that fight got confirmed. You know, they, they they matched it for the next, but now uh, Haggerty's pulled out again, so just pulled out recently, you know, because maybe there's something else from lined up, you know, it wasn't ready after a short turnaround. Do you think that that's a good stylistic matchup for Felipe? I know that I would have considered Fabricio to be the better kickboxer. I know that's my opinion, but you're the coach, so what do you see? I just think that this camp was a blessing for both, really for Philippe, because uh, this camp for Bricio, like was no easy sparring. He had like a bad, bad spite in him. He was trying to hurt guys, you know. There was a real violent touch in him, and Philippe kept turning up, you know, legs taped up and everything. They were taking hard kicks. I pulled the sparring back because I said, I broke them up at the end. I said, look, guys, we ain't going to make it to the end, you know, because we were meant to fight in October and that fight got pushed back well, for whatever reason. And uh, I believe, like, the best Fabricio was left in that gym. You know, we peaked weeks ago. It, it, for me, it looked flat. But going back to Philippe, the guys got an eye-opener to how the – for the world title camp, you know, it was, it was no easy camp. And he's came on leaps and bounds. And now I've started helping his boxing as well. And he's got like a nice little team about him. Like whoever's above is like looking down and they just they go, look at this guy walking so hard and he's got his chance now. This guy's phenomenal. I ain't seen the guys in the gym 24-7, clean life. Just a hard walker, the hard way, you know, he just, you have to respect these guys, don't you? 
Most definitely. So I would say that Tiger Muay Thai is my favorite gym. It has been my favorite gym for maybe three, four years now. I just really like the whole aesthetic of the gym. I know that's funny to say, but when did you start at the gym and when did you get your role as the head coach of the boxing department? I'm coaching full time about five years now. So it's only really short, you know. Uh, I would say when I first went there, I was just like stepped in. I was like 32, I was still fighting, and I started guest coaching just a little bit. And I had guys turn around calling me coach, you know. And at that time, I wasn't really, I didn't class myself as a coach, I was still a fighter, you know. And I, I soon realized, I don't know what it is, but you soon realize, oh, there's something more to this, you know. I was doing good things with good fighters. And bit by bit, it just went from there. I think I was only guest coaching not long, and then I got a full-time job, and I've just been there since, you know, and just it's gone through the roof for me now, especially. I believe this year, 2023, is a year, like, a blessing year. You know, it's been a phenomenal year. We, we've won, like, Fabricio in February, we won the MMA Bantamweight World Titan. Anatolia then, in the summer, we won the the heavyweight world title. Tim Zhu won the world title with Tony Harrison in the beginning of the year. Then he just went and won the, again for the Brian Mendoza. So this year we've done four world titles already, even though I don't class this as a, a great year because it's been ups and downs. We had PBN at the start of the year, the loss. We had Fabricio. But it's a year that these losses, it's really, really at me open. I've went back to the drum board. I know I've done a lot, but I believe I can do 10 times better, and I'm excited for next year. Like, I'm already working on big plans, big camps at the minute, too. It's a big year. It's a big finish the year also. Most definitely. So what are your plans for, you're saying that you're going to 10x what you've already done. What are your plans for 2024, 2025? I, I just believe, like, I don't know. I was saying at the start, like, all the belts, like, some of these camps I'm doing, like with Tim Zhu, they're going to be all the boxing belts here, but he's going to go the undisputed route, you know. And uh, Philippe, one good win here. The guy's in the mix for a world title for the Muay Thai belt. It could be a clean sheet. I believe the kickboxing belt it was never something on my radar. I wasn't a kickboxing guy. Now I look at it from that loss, I'm like, I want that kickboxing belt, so I'm going to come and get one someday. It's going to happen out of the blue. I'm not going to go chase it. Uh, Tim Zhu, yeah, where are we at now? We're on about all the belts, wasn't it? Yeah, well, what belts? I don't know about The way I come around was like, Tim was, uh, I remember at the start of the year, we were doing a training camp, we were on a treadmill, and I was going, all the belts, and he was showing all the belts, and we're doing like hashtag all the belts. And I haven't, I didn't even realize that this year, like a, two days ago, we were confirmed to fight for a world title in Muay Thai. We just finished fighting for a kickboxing world title. We've done a boxing world title, we've done the MMA world title, and I think, whoa, what have I attracted all that? That's all the belts, like all the MMA sports, like. So now that's on my radar, I don't know if there's been a coach out there that's won every boxing belt, every MMA belt, every Muay Thai and kickboxing belt. So it's something I'm looking at right now, you know. 
do you think that if you took Anatoly to the UFC, you could steal the UFC belt? You know, Anatoly will never go to UFC. To him and Chatley is something special. There's been big offers for Anatoly. He's like one of the main guys. It wouldn't make sense. He's best in Asia. He's the king of the crop. He's won the light heavyweight belt. Not one fighter has called him out. They all go running once they mention his name. You know, I just think he's going to be a dynamite. Where It doesn't matter where he goes, you know. I just think the guy is so loyal. He's got a big heart. He'll, he'll run out his contact with um, Juan, and then we're going to go for the super fight. So I don't know what it is. We have a goal wrote down. Francis, again, it'll be a big fight someday, boxing or something special, something big, because I've seen him with some big guys, and he's, he's a monster, you know. It's something special, and it's all is. How important is Tiger Muay Thai to your professional career? And also, how important is it just as a cultural thing for you? Yeah, it's uh, amazing. You know, I, I really see this year now starting to grow. Think about it like boxing was something small in Tiger. It was MMA was like the, the main, the Muay Thai, the kickboxing, like Raphael. It was like big. The boxing was small. It's changing now. Like the boxing, we got some of the best boxers in the world. We had like a camps coming here, professional boxers, and they were getting like some guys were like, woof. They were, they were thinking, oh, this is going to be easy sparring when they go there. We've got one of the hardest sparring days in the world in Tiger right now. Like we've got pros from all over, bare knuckle champions, kickboxing champions, MMA champions, and they're all in there. And, on a busy day, you know, it, it can be crazy. And this is why the fighters are all coming here going, I want a piece of this action. You know, they're getting in there and it's, they're in the heat, they're in the jungle. You know, it, there's no atmosphere like it. Why were you originally in Thailand for your boxing career? What made you go to Tiger to start with? Thailand. So I went to Thailand a few times when I was uh, for training camps. It was more just like for fitness. And I was in Australia, uh, I think I was fighting in either the Brisbane or Sydney, I can't really remember, it was one of them anyway. And I, I had to leave and I was coming back, I got the, the big visa, the 10 year visa in Australia, but I had to leave and come back in, so I thought, okay, I'll go to Thailand for a couple of weeks training. And when I went there for a the couple of weeks, that's when I started the guest coach. And then I got, I had like, guys sponsored me in Australia and I was like, I didn't want to let them down. They just paid big money for a visa for me to stay in Australia. So I gave up my job and, and Tiger Muay Thai to go and like, cause these guys are my friends. They're a big Irish company in Australia. And I go, look guys, I'm back. And they were like, oh, don't worry. It'll only be like um, an easy bit of work for you. You can drive a truck first and go to Training, you know how it is in Australia. These guys work hard, like they were away in construction five in the morning and on the bricks and all. Like, whew, this this ain't for me. I know where I want to be is in the 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 gym, like. So I called him up and I go, and his name is Martin. I go, Martin. I go as much as I love you. I, I didn't want to let you down. I'm back. I go. I go. You may cut my arm off. I'm, I go, I miss the gym. He goes, John, your friendship's more than me. He goes, go and do what you want. We support you. And to this day, we're still best friends. And now it's the best thing you've ever done. Still here living, living the dream now, you know. 
So how did you Edmonton. get sponsored? I went to Sydney, and uh, this guy must have knew me, an Irish guy, Martin O'Brien. They have a big construction company over there. They followed Irish boxing, and they found out I was in Australia. I was only there for a holiday. And we got talking, and they said, look, you want to get in there, but a boxing, we'll get behind you. They had a big company there, and they bought a heap of tables off me and fight night, and that was a promoter's dream over there, you know, like it's selling tickets and stuff. So it, it really it was a great experience. I love boxing in Australia. There was something about it, especially in around, you know, Perth and all where the Irish was, and a lot of Irish there. It was, it was some experience, you know. It was... Did you have the the Perth Irish community like at your fights? Yeah, and uh, I fought. Did I fight there in St. Patrick's? I can't even remember, but it was packed. Uh, there was more Irish people from my hometown. I'm in a place called Buncrana, County Donegal, in Ireland. There was more people from that town there that night than I seen in my normal town. Like it was amazing. It was uh, so special, you know. Do you have any regrets from your boxing career? Yeah, of course. I don't regret. Um, I don't regret it now. It's made me the person I am now. But looking back now, me being a coach and being around the guys, I'm like, wow, I was, I, I didn't live their life the way I should, you know. But this is why I'm the coach I am now. Like I, I see it in younger guys, you know. But as I say it's only, it's only two experience, you know, and. Uh, I wouldn't change nothing because it's made me the guy I am today. I, I made a lot of great friends. I also met, met bad people, but, you know, I'll take the plus. I met good people, and I'm here today because of it, you know. And uh, still from the – when I went to Brisbane, Steve Deller from Fortitude Boxing, they helped me over there. And uh, I remember walking in this gym. I think he had like 32 belts. It was Australian belts. It was belts everywhere. And I was always like attracted to belts. There was something about belts. And I remember going to Steve. To this day, I go, hey, Steve. I go, look, this belt. Do you think I could fight for that belt? He says, you can have any belt you want as long as you put the work in. Until that day, I'm still winning belts. Like, you know, he, and he took a training camp over there. Recently, Liam Wilson, Connor Wallace, Jake, there was a few of them. It was brilliant just to reconnect with all the boxing again, you know. Why are belts so important to you? What do they symbolize to you? I don't know, because when I was in, the, like, the, the boxing, I don't know. I was just, like, people was in it for a reason. I just wanted belts. And when I started coaching, I was like, I just wanted belts. Even when I, I, I started coaching, like, and you know, at the start when you're young and coaching, like, I was only 32, I started coaching, and then within a year, I was fighting for a USC belt. And I remember putting up a post one day, we're going to win this USC belt. And at that time, it was like just Facebook, there wasn't Instagram. And I remember people smiling, thinking, ah, that guy's crazy, he's never going to win a belt. And then you go win a USC belt, they're like, oh, where did this guy come out of? I remember on the way, there's a funny story. It's how I met Anatoly. Because when I was flying to, to that fight in Abu Dhabi, it was, we were fighting Jose Aldo with PDN. Uh, I met Anatoly. I was helping Kirill Rounty, and they were sparring, and that's the first day I seen him. I was thinking, I need to chat this guy. I want to get back. He needs a bit of help. 
So everything's connected. And when I went back, he was in with the one F one FC at the time. And I never really focused as much on one FC or one championship. I was always like just the UFC, you know. And I remember seeing a picture, the the one championship belt. I was like, wow, that's a look at it, Lord, it's, it's massive. It's one of the beautiful belts. Beautiful, like it's the weight of it alone. I was like, I I want one of these belts here. And then uh, I just, I swear, just like that, we were fighting for a belt, and we won a belt. And next thing every fight was a belt fight. I can't remember then after that. Um, who was the next one? I don't tank guys camp. He was fighting. Who did he fight? I was doing his camp. He fought for the belt. He won the belt. Then Anatoly went down the light heavy. Won the light heavy belt. Then Fabricio won the the Bamwed one. So that's one. Two, that's four. Four one championship world titles now. One UFC one. Then Brandon went and won the PFL one. Then Tim Zhu went and won the boxing one. I just need the kickboxing and the, the Muay Thai. And then we're going to get all the belts from Tim Zhu. Every belt we're going to get. So with Tim, when you first met him, did you think this is a talent wherein I believe he's going to get all the boxing belts? Or did you think that he was kind of a kind of a green up-and-comer that you didn't know you you didn't know if he was going to do well or not and he needed more to improve what was the first impression you had with him i had notes i'm a big guy for notes and small bits of journaling and uh him and pd Ann at the time i remember saying these two guys are going to go on and win a world title and uh but that tim zoo was quite raw compared to the tim zoo now like there was something special about him. Me and him just clicked uh, when he first came over here. I'm going to tell you a good story about this. I was like 18 in Ireland and I was lived in the countryside. There wasn't much boxing. So for me to go and watch boxing, like you'd be laughed at. You'd be like, what's this guy doing? Come on out and enjoy yourself. Forget that old boxing. That's what you always hear, you know. This bus pulled outside my house. It was a birthday party and they were like, come on, come on. And you know, you're 18, you, you're going to go. I was like, nah, I'm going to watch this boxing fight. It was Costa Zoo and Ricky Hatton. I'll never forget it. And they were like, ah, you're silly. But I stayed and watched it anyways. And then just uh, trained. But anyways, years later, Tim came over the first time in Thailand. And uh, we'd done a bit of work together. And then we just done more and more. And as he came up, the day he was leaving, he said, John, I've got a gift for you. And he gave me his dad's gloves, cost his his gloves like. Um, and uh, I was like, wow. I was like, whoa, it's crazy to think like I could have just easily went the partying route. But I just stayed focused. And now I'm training an old legend son, a legend and a legend of his own. And from then on, I just, just got more and more. I seen one day put up a, a, a speech or something. He says, you know, People who are real themselves, real the team, uh, like that's the people who get into their team. Like it's a, a tight, tight net. So I was sitting there going, oh, I'm so grateful, you know, because it's a good, it's a good feeling, you know, it's a powerful team. And then this year, it even it grew from there. They they hooked me up with Nikita. I done my first camp with Nikita. I had some powerful work with Nikita, you know, so. 
I've become part of their team. It seems to be like they come for the pre-camp and then they go finish the camp. So it looks like we're doing the same routine now with Tim for the next one also. Tell me about Nikita. What prediction do you have for his career? Can you tell me a little bit of insight into his skill level? Yeah, so Nikita, right, they're, they're really pushing him fast. You know, he's got the, the limelight on him now. He's on the Tim, his father. I'm not saying Tim didn't have it too, but they're pushing him fast. There's big pressure on him. Uh, that last camp with Nikita was phenomenal. We tightened a few things up, and you can just see he's very unique. The two guys are they're special. They're like two different talents. Two different fighters, you know. One one could be like Tim's more all rounder now. Yeah, he's very controlled. Very like there's a switch in Nikita, you know. Like poof, when he goes, it's like that. There's no stopping him, you know. But I think they're working on control. They're trying to break him and get him to work on the hard conditions. You know, this next fight ain't no easy fight. Uh, anybody that's got an Australian fighting title, you know that. They ain't going to give this up. This is a big one. This is a big chance. You know, uh, I believe you'll see the best Nikita do here. This fight's going to be a, a long-distance fight, you know, and this is where he's going to grow the test and murder. He gets past this test. They're going to push him or push him, but he has to get past this one. And I believe he will. I, I believe there'll be a stoppage in this fight. He's got real, real bad fight in his punch, you know. And uh, sometimes you just cannot beat the big punchers, and he's got the power to bag it. When I was re-watching Tim's last fight, the thing that I kind of took away from it was he's not the most powerful puncher. He's not the best when it comes to particular things, right? But when it comes to wrapping it all together and the patience and the professionalism of how he conducts himself, he has it. He has the world champion um, mindset and, and play the style of a world champion. And I see massive things happening in the next like three, four fights. Oh, man. So what, what do you think? Is he going to, is he going to defend the belt, go like undisputed and maybe a different weight class? Or what do you think? What do you think is the plan for him? Yeah. Tim is only getting better and better each camp. Look at that last fight. Tell me who beats Tim Zhu like that. A patient Tim Zhu. You blink, you're, you're gone to sleep. The speed of him. Like, and he doesn't overcommit. If you watch that fight with Brian Mendoza, like, that he's got a puncher's chance. Two or three punches, Mike's a step back, and they took him apart. I, I was just watching during film study yesterday. I was watching like uh, Charlo and Brian, and like Brian was pushing him on the seventh round, where Tim was just walking him down. He only gets going each round, you know. I just think now they're gonna clean up the division. They're gonna get what he put out at the very start, all the belts. I believe Tim knows he's on the future champion a long time already, and then belts are coming. The world is his oyster. He can go any way he wants, but right now he doesn't need it. He just cleans up. When Charlo decides what he's going to do, is he going to fight? Is he going to, I believe, him's his worst nightmare, speed and power and the body shots and a guy that's in your face from round to round, you know, he doesn't give you time to breathe. I, I don't think they'll take that fight with him, but who knows? There's something lined up anyways. Is that a fight that your team wants? Uh, you, you know, 
Kim will fight anybody as long as I think their management now is gonna they're gonna be smart. The fights they're taking is gonna be all connected to belts. It doesn't make sense if there's no belts on the line now. So they're only going for the champions or the champion holders. To, they're gonna show they're the real number one now. Do you still have Costa's gloves? Still have them in the frame in Ireland. I kept them. You know, but one of the best gifts I ever got. You know. You you still have them in Ireland. Who's your favorite Irish boxer? Favorite Irish boxer. Oh, favorite Irish boxer. All time or no? Like no present or all time? Go for it. Whatever you want. No, uh, present. I, I follow just a few Irish fighters. You know, I've done a big camp with Thomas Carter. I love him, the heavyweights. I love the heavyweights. I love the knockouts. You know, he's fighting on Katie Taylor's next card now in November. There's a young guy, Cam Walsh, there from Cork. He's, with a, he's signed on the UFC, the first boxer for the UFC. You know, Dana likes him. The guys, Irish boxing is really on fire. There's another guy, Pierce O'Leary. Real dynamite puncher, like I love the punchers, you know. They're my, my three main guys right now that I really love in Ireland. And uh, before that, my old coach, Emma McGee, there's a book out about him. What's the name of the, the book? I'll find out the name of the book, Emma McGee. And this guy was like, wow, like a Right up person in Ireland, he, he had trouble with IRA and I got his kneecaps blown out. He was just an alcoholic and all, but he was probably Ireland's most talented fighter and he was just bashing guys, smoking cigarettes and drinking, like he was doing it for fun. But he probably most most technical box ever came out of Ireland, you know. I'm going to get the name of that book. It's on the top of my head, but I can't think, you know. I can't remember if Prince Nassim Hamed is Northern Irish or if he's English. Prince Nassim. Is he Northern Irish or is he English? The Prince Naz, the uh, the Asian guy. No, he was English. Yeah, but his coach was Irish. Okay, that well, I remember. remember. Yeah, that was that was that was probably one of my favorite boxers. Um, just Prince just Nazim. a really underrated fighter. Yeah, they, they trained in the Ingalls gym in, in Sheffield. It was Irish guys, you know, that owned it years ago. Sort of. But yeah, them them guys, they were, uh, it was class, hands. It wasn't my kind of guy, hands down low. I don't like all that, but it, it was uh, a, sh- a show class, wasn't it? It was very good. Let me ask you a random question. There's a fighter that's kind of on the rise. He's a Mexican guy. He's he's undefeated, Benavidez. I've heard that everyone's scared of this guy. What do you think about his style? Strong, very strong. It's the the big punches. The the big punches are hard to beat. You know, it doesn't matter. You could be in a twelve round fight, boxing the ears of the guy, and then boom, one shot. Let me ask you, dude, what was up with Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou? Now, I know for a fact that Francis is a really decent boxer. He's not bad at all. If he was a if he was a pure boxer, he would have a world title right now, and I'm very confident in saying that. But when I saw the fight, dude, he kind of negated all of Tyson's offense 
and then ran through his defense. It, it didn't look too good. I know Tyson won those particular rounds. I think you should call fights like that a draw instead of going to split decision either way. But, dude, that was a really weird performance, and Francis knocked him down. What was your take when you saw that fight? You know, uh, I'm, I'm an old school guy. Damn fights. I don't even watch it. I watched the clips after, you know. I was like, nah, that's tough. You know, when you're a boxer, you're like, nah. He didn't do it, but Tyson Fury is a smart guy, you know. He, he's got music next, you know, so maybe he may be back by, I don't know, but take nothing away from Francis, you know. Maybe that was his night, you know, and he just under them fights, he can't. It's just a money spinner, I don't know. You know, if it was like champion, champion boxing, it's going to be different training, you know. As an Irish man, how much can you drink? Drink? Uh, when we were younger, like, it was the thing to go. But now coaching, it's a rare thing now, you know. It is a, a hardly about now at all, you know. Just family guy, just training. But back in the day in Ireland, you, you had to be tough for it. That's for sure. Everybody, when I went back the last time, I didn't realize how how you break break away from that. You know, I went back and I met up with my, all my old friends, and all. it's just a normal thing in Ireland, you know. And you don't realize, and then when you you come out of Ireland and you get away from it all, you don't. There's no focus there for it no more, you know. I personally don't drink. Do you think it's a problem in Ireland right now that they're like too obsessed with alcohol? Uh, for sure, ever like uh, you know, it's just it's what you're told, it's what you've seen. They don't know no different. There's nothing to do. I feel there's a lot of younger ones trapped back there. There's nothing to do. A lot of younger ones aren't even working now as much. They're going to the pubs. You know, it's, the generations is changing. I think we're the last of the old dying breed, you know, like the hard-working Irish that enjoyed themselves. But it, it looks, that last time I went back, it, it opened my eyes. I, looked, I, didn't, I didn't like to see some things, you know. Serious question about generational changes you just brought up. It kind of rejigged my memory to ask you, right now we've probably got the best fighters that ever existed, right? Like they're the most skillful but when it comes to how tough individuals are, it's only going to go downhill, as we know. We're going to get more skilled, but people are going to have better living conditions and stuff. So I've got, a, I've got a prediction question for you. In the next 20 to 30 years, do you think we'll look back and say the fighters of old, such as the current UFC fighters, the current Muay Thai fighters of now in one championship, do you think that we would say back in then, 2023, if we're talking from like, let's say 2050, would you say that 2023 would probably have better fighters because in the future things will be easier? Or do you think that the cycle will continue and that something fucked up will happen, people will have to go through some shit and then it will produce some really um, like powerful killers? I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's, I just... You know what I mean, in. right? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. The sport's involving, you know, like think about it. Look at... Ten years ago, we hadn't a clue about a diet, especially coming from Ireland. We're eating potatoes, a big pint of milk, and old school. 
Now you're told you can't do that, you can't do this, but it works, you know. If you follow some of these nutrition guys and, you know, they go with the fighters that, uh, for example, like when you go away, like with Peter or something, they have nutrition and you want to see what you're eating, like on fight week, where before we'd be there, like in sweatsuits and starving out. It's easy with the right science, you know. So, going back to your question, the way science is involving, yes, we might just keep involving, you know, but still, you cannot beat the old school hard guys, like, it's, you got to be special. Look at, look at Volk, for example, Alex Fonalski, old school construction guy, up 5 a.m. concrete and go to training. You cannot beat them guys because they're so conditioned to hard work. That, that's, that's phenomenal alone, you know. If you're not used to that, that's the way we were in Ireland. You're up, out the door, work. And if you wanted to train, that was it. Yeah, but it was, it was up to yourself, you know. So we pushed that. But Alex was the same, the old school ways. And that's why the guy's so, so dominating. He can, he can go from the first bell, you know. Totally. So when I rewatched Fabricio's fight just then, unfortunately, as you know, you're the coach, right? I wanted yeah. Fabricio to win, of course. So what did you have to say to Fabricio after the fight? Uh, you know, uh, it was it was hard. It was hard because you have a bond for these guys. You're beside them every day, like twice a day, and you know, it's hard. It's, his family is there. There was a lot to take in, but this fight of all fights learned me a big lesson in life. Learned me. A, I learned more from this loss than anything. I went back and shut down, and, and I was just like, okay, what could we done good? But what can we do better? So sometimes you need that. For, for, for Fabricio, right, it was, I still said before the fight, this fight is a blessing, and I really believe it is a blessing because if you watch any last uh, Fabricio's MMA fight, the hands are down low, you know, we, we tightened up the defense. Even though we didn't get the belt, the, the belt, he broke his hand in February in the, in the first fight, so we had the big gloves. We could build his hand strong. If he just takes that, like, for a... Just say, okay, I lost, but I've... Tightened up with striking now. He'll dominate now in the MMA. Who, who's going to take that power with them small MMA gloves, you know? And get, he was only defending takedown defense six months ago. You know, now, like, they're going with the best pound-to-pound striker in the world. Even though it's, like, hurting, it's only it's only going to go strength and strength. He's like, wow, I've been a superstar. It wasn't my night. I was flat. I still believe for Fabricio... I'm not flat, but like a bouncing for ratio, fainting and going forward. That that fight was a game changer if he had to push that fight forward a bit more, you know. But as I say, we live and learn. The plan, the plan was going to our plan was I said to Fabricio, it's look, Fabricio, just be a little bit patient off his feints, because he's very good at fainting and fainting and getting you to reach and don't the shots you don't see coming. Fabricio's low leg kicks, they were doing damage straight away from him, you know. Oh, that was the plan. Chop the legs up and down, up and down. Round two, round three, start to sit down a bit. But the spark wasn't there, you know. And all, all respect to Hegarty, the, the, the better man won, you know. So it is. 
but we'll come back and learn. I know I will, and I already am. I thought it was a little bit bullshit when Haggerty said, let's fight MMA. Like, in my opinion, these kickboxers, I don't, I don't think they completely understand how ridiculously hard the grappling component is. I think Fabricio would uh, throw him out the cage. You know, uh, I put a post up, a uh, content over there, but what's harder to win a boxing belt, MMA belt? And I said, I have I to be careful. That. You know, I, I was eating myself up. Coming from a boxer, I go, I have to be really careful. I'm standing on thin ice, you know. There's no boxing, no belt easy to win. They're all hard. But seriously, if somebody said to me, right, there's a world title fight for boxing, there's a world title fight for MMA, I'd be jumping into boxing because see them elbows and take, uh, and everything, BGJ, everything, it's a dangerous game, isn't it? you got to, You've got these in boxing, then we've got everything in MMA. It's definitely a harder sport, isn't it? Brutally, like, damaging. Brutally more damaging. You know? I thought Haggerty's performance was pretty decent. Now, he's he already fought Superlek. I already watched this fight. This was outside of one championship, and Superlek beat yes. him. Now, when I watched the Superlek fight with Rod Tang, I thought that Rod Tang was going to win that. Superleg came out again. Dude, do you think that Superleg and Haggerty are probably going to have a rematch? There was talks of it, wasn't there? There's a, there's a few names thrown at him, you know. I, I haven't really focused on him. I've just moved on. I've just switched off and focused. But, you know, I would say they're, they're smart. They're going to stick to the striking fights because... If he comes to the MMA, you just said it yourself, it's a different ball game. It might last for a minute, but as soon as it goes to the ground, the panic mode's in, you know. Is and, Haggerty uh, the I, best pound-for-pound kickboxer in the world right now? Well, he's got the belt. I don't believe he's the best pound-for-pound kickboxer, but I'm not saying the guy's um, not a superstar or not, but he's up there, you know, but... It's, What's he going to do with the kickboxing if somebody comes up? Is he going to defend it? I believe they might just move on out of the Muay Thai and keep doing what he's doing, isn't he? He's got the two belts and move on, is it? I meant to say Muay Thai. I know that kickboxing, you have Chingas Alazov there. He's the power number yeah. one. But when, when I'm talking about Muay Thai, that's what I meant to say. Do you uh, think that he's number one of Muay Thai? Yeah, he's number one right now, you know. Uh, He's a champion. He's a double champ, you know. So they're all calling for him out now. Everybody wants a piece of him, you know. I, I believe Philippi gets past this fight now. It's got to be Philippi next fighting for it, you know. I believe he's going to get a shot next year. 2024, he'll get a crack at it. And, uh, you know, everybody's got holes. Like, Haggerty's been to a lot of fights. He's got little holes in him. Philippi's a strong guy. Never rule out an underdog. You know, Philippi can mix with anybody. I would love to see that. What do you think the styles, how do they match up? What do you think Felipe can do? I, I would love to see it. I, I, I just think that he would have that bit of anger and spite and they walk at him, you know, and I don't know. It's an interesting fight, but I would love it for Philby, and he will be hitting him with a kitchen sink, you know. 
we were talking earlier today and I told you I went to training. I was doing boxing, right? And when people throw a jab at me, I try and parry it with the backhand, right? Try and parry it with the backhand. But then after I successfully parry with the backhand, I get hit with the straight over the top and it hits me, nails me right in the forehead. What am I doing wrong? Push off your left leg, catch, catch, push, clear the distance. Push, instead of standing there, push your left away. Should, Even do, you need a, push. do you need a slip or do you need to move backwards? You can slip, push back, or push back, slip, up to you, but don't stand. When you're getting hit, you're standing too much, you got to step back. See, I'm worried because in boxing, you can kind of dip your head in certain ways, but like in, in kickboxing, uh, Muay Thai and MMA, like I'm worried that if I slip a punch, won't someone just like knee me in the jaw? It's a different style, isn't it? Because I started doing video content and I seen somebody today going, oh, I've only been in um, so long, but why is he square on? I, I, I don't reply, you know, but... It's a different style. It's a totally different style. I think that's where where boxing, where I'm using boxing is a bit unique because it's boxing for MMA, it's boxing for boxing, it's boxing for kickboxing. Now, Philippe, I'm studying Muay Thai to get that boxing range for it. You know, it's it's not easy. Who's a newcomer to the Tiger Muay Thai scene that you're um, you've got an integral role in helping their career. It can be a boxer or whoever you're helping work with that's a newcomer in, in Tiger Muay Thai. Who do you see that we don't know about that we should know about because they're most likely going to have a lot of success? You know, uh, I haven't been involved in the MMA as much lately. I've just been really focusing on the striking. But now we've got young pros. He turned pro with us this year. He's gone to 5-0 and oh now. Fighting uh, two weeks time, we have uh, the young tryout guys, winners. Uh, Tiger's got a lot of talent that comes through that door all the time. Fresh guys, you know. Uh, this year's like, who would be the best open young comer now? There's a lot. Fariad, all these young, hungry Muay Thai guys, you know, it's phenomenal right now in Tiger. So you, these guys when they spar. People don't realize they come and they don't look like much. Sparring days, guys, they like, no. But controlled sparring, but some of the best tigers in the world in Tiger. Back in the day, dude, we had the Muay Thai fighters, and if you weren't in a good Muay Thai gym and you didn't have access to the internet back in the day, then you weren't going to become a world champion. You had to have the right team, and that's why we saw these legends hold on to the belt for so long, right? And now mm. the second that the internet comes in, people have access to greater information. We have the foreigners like your, um, I would even consider Ching as Alazov being, um, I believe he's Belarus and Azerbaijan, right? And also Jonathan Haggerty being England. You have all these yeah. guys really taking over kickboxing and also taking over Muay Thai as well as... Um, Fabricio being Brazilian, right? So, yeah. you think that you think that in the next five years we're going to see more foreigners uh, beat the Thai style finally? It's uh, it's evolving with the internet and all, isn't it? You know, it's there's mixed styles. Everybody's adapting now, isn't it? 
I think it's not. It's always going to be the tie. Tie is number one, like Muay Thai. But as I say, everybody's adapting. They're all using it. They're using it even the Muay Thai. Not as much for MMA, but they're using the elbows and stuff. You know, it's one of the best sports in the game, and it. But what one championship has done now, like evolving, like paying the some good salary now for. Because it was small purses compared to like MMA boxing or kickboxing, but now they're really pumping money into it. So we might see more and more. For example, in Ireland, like last year when I went back, nobody watched one championship just because of the time zones. Now when you go back, I think it's on like 2 or 3 p.m. on a Friday, the fight nights, and they're all leaving work early and going watching one championship. So even Muay Thai in Ireland now is starting to grow. I never seen a Muay Thai club in Ireland. It was only boxing. Now they've got Muay Thai and everything. Totally. Like, to validate what I'm trying to say, even you've got Nico Carrillo, who was a friend of the show. He's fighting He's fighting Nong O soon. Yeah, um, good fight. That's a, that, that's, a Scottish, that's a Scottish talent fighting yeah. another Thai. So do you, do you think he'll get it done? I I I know his coach. I know him too. I don't know them personally. I just follow each other. But the, the, the is that JP working. Gallagher? Yeah, they're good guys. Good coach. Young, hungry coach. Hard working. I really like the guys. You know, uh, always friendly. Always. Anytime I met them, they uh, they're switched on guys. You know, they know what they're after. They're going for that belt. That division's red hot. You know, look at Philippi sitting there. Them guys sitting there, non go. There's no easy fight. It's a red hot division. Let me ask you about a UFC flyweight. His previous um, opponent was Tim Elliott. We're talking about Muhammad Mokhaev. And he didn't have the best performance, right? We need to be as truthful and as honest as we possibly can on this show. And he didn't have the best performance. He was down um, maybe two rounds going into that third, but he still managed to get the finish. He's still undefeated as an amateur and a professional. He's still got time to grow as he's very young and he's going up against older opponents. Do you think uh, Muhammad should take some time off, maybe a year or two, a year, maybe a year to really hone his craft. Because when you get into these championship fights, if you haven't spaced it out correctly, I can assure you that right now with Pantoja Moreno being at the top of the division, they run through Mokayev, unfortunately, right now. But I can't say that maybe in two, three years' time. So do you think he should grow a little bit more before taking on uh, that level of opponent? There's no slowing mode down. He's going for that belt. I'm telling you. See, Pandora now, he sparred him sure in the American top team. I was just chatting to Mohammed the other day, and he was saying, look, if this fight goes ahead, let's go to America or Mexico for a camp and all together. So he's going to keep building, you know. I, I just think doors are opening up for this kid. I've never seen nothing like it. When I came here the last time, he was in a sling in one arm and, then the leg, the knee, this guy is bulletproof. I've never seen nothing like this. He's phenomenal. Like, I, I remember years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was, and I, I just remember my first session with him, compared to like doing first session with other guys. And I just, just, something about him. They had something about him. 
and I pulled him into the boxing class and I said, see this kid? I go, remember this guy's name? I go, this kid's going to be the next UFC champion. And he was all shy, you know, you know. Don't throw away now. Various, don't throw away. He's got the best team in the world around him. There's nothing going to stop him. I've seen him. See, like, on a, a crazy day in Tiger, there could be a hundred people on the mat. I've seen him rolling with big guys, like, and they're him. Ah, oh, like, like, middleweight guys, big guys, like, you know, like, and I was saying, they're too big. No, no, it's okay, okay. Now he's getting smarter, you know, when they're a bit younger, they want to spar anybody. Now we're starting to pick, but that's just the example of him. And it is, he's a wizard, you know, he can adapt. Uh, There's something about him, I just think the door's opening up for him and he's going to get that belt. He's got the best team in the world around him and there's no one going to stop him. When did you first meet him and when did you originally start working with him? I would say it was about five years ago as well, and then just a bit more. I went to England a few camps with him, went a few camps all over, and uh, I was meant to go to one camp with him uh, for his first UFC fight, but I couldn't leave Tiger because Marlon Marais and a few was over, and he's just been coming back and forward. But after the next camp, I'll, I'll go and do a good one with Mohammed. You know, this kid's special. A serious question. I want an. I want a real response. You're the coach. You're the expert. So, can anyone become a world champion? Yes or no? Uh, you know, it's uh, the mind. You got to have the most powerful mind. You can have anything you want as long as you put the work in and you really believe it and really push. But you got to be bulletproof. No blinkers on and to that goal. There's no point saying, I'm going to be a world champion. I don't mean it and go out and have a beer and drive fancy cars and not work. You know, it doesn't work like that. If you want it, you got to work for it, you know. When did you start training in combat sports and when did you have your first professional fight? My first professional fight. So I was boxing about 13, took a break, went back at 18. And then I went professional at 24. 24, 25, and I had 17 pro fights. I probably had about 50 or 60 amateur fights, you know. And uh, but what it was when I was going to England, I was training in Birmingham, uh, UK, and there was a gym there called the Ultimate Training Center, and that's where all the UFC guys and all was, and Leon Edwards and all them. And that's how I started to do a bit of rolling with him and sparring these guys, and this is how I got involved the MMA but I always I liked it, you know, I was always watching it. So when I came to Thailand it was a hot spot for MMA. I knew a little bit of it. And it's just like that's what happened then, you know. And uh I just kind of adapted the boxing MMA route then, you know. So then I didn't fight MMA no, I just trained it and coached it more, you know. So right now we have so many different like just countries that are smashing it. I would say that Brazil, Russia, Thailand, and the US are always the main contenders. What do you? Who do you think has the best fighters? Which country? I, I love the Russians. I love the Brazilians. I love the Australians. But the my the most guys I train 
Russians, a lot of Russians, Brazilians, and Australians, all the Australian boxers, and working with most of all the Australian boxers now, you know, most of the MMA Russian guys and most of the MMA Muay Thai Brazilian guys. And Let's and be the serious, Irish. man. You have you have three hundred, you have one hundred and fifty million um, Russians. You've got like three hundred million US people, dude. Why is Australia doing so well? I'm proud of my nation, but they've got twenty million people, dude. There's no reason that we should be doing so well, swimming in the Olympics, running in the Olympics, and now getting world championships in every single combat sport. I, it's a lifestyle. I remember going to Australia. And uh, I just remember, like, back in Ireland, you would come out of a, a pub or a nightclub or something about 2 or 3 a.m., and they're on the beach running and swimming. Like, they look after themselves. That's what it is. It's the lifestyle in Australia, you know. And But I really think the boxing, the MMA is evolving, looking forward, look at them guys. Australia is on the rise, isn't it? It totally is. I see, well, dude, we just spoke about Tim this whole time. He's going to smash it. Um, Volkanovsky is smashing it. We've got JDM, who's out welterweight. He's probably going to fight for a title very soon. So Australia is killing it. I want to ask you, when did you first meet Piotr Yan? What was the story behind that? Piotr Yan was uh, when, when I first started coaching five years ago. I remember I was... Uh, I was sitting in the restaurant and he was sitting like a few chairs away and I was chatting there a person at the time and I was like, and I remember showing him, like, you know, the spider, you know, like the video on the phone, he said, oh, it's Peter Yan and all, you know, and I was like, oh, but he wasn't with the UFC at the time. And then I was doing pads one day in the cage with a fighter and I just came up and I was like, hello coach, can I do some mid pause? I just went from there, you know, and he had no English, I had no Russian, and we, we, we adapted because it comes from a boxing background, you know, and then just just from there, me and him connected, and it was some of some great years. I think now you're going to see a real PDM when it comes back, like, you know, like, Peter, some people would say, ah, PDM's finished and all this, and the man said to me, he goes, John, I took a, the last time I took a six months break, I went on a winning streak and won the UFC belt. I was refreshed. I think he took a six month break when I last talked to him. He says, um, he's building his house for his mom, he's doing a bit of business work. And he says, and after that, he's ready to go. And if he does, and if he's refreshed, he'll be on a rampage because that fight with uh, O'Malley, I really, really believe. Come too lightly, you know. Like PDM would do a lot of boxing work, but that small for O'Malley, maybe one session a week. Normally, we do about four or five, and it was just it just cut corners a little bit. But even though it was a close fight, you know, could some people say Peter won, but I would love to see that fight five rounds, a fully fit PDM, a PDM doing a boxing training camp and wrestling, and Let's see who the real man is, because I know Peter Yanku will, will beat Sean O'Malley like five rounds. That's no easy fight, but that's the best fight to make in the UFC right now. I believe if Peter had the right run next year, 2024, Peter just needs one, two good fights. He's there, end of the year next year, it's the UFC belt. 
100%. He is ruthless when he sweats on. Nobody beats Petey Ann. But I just had a, like, a little, everybody gets a spell in life where they, they have a bit of money, family, and uh, you, you lose a bit of focus or something. You know, it's, it just wasn't there. I reckon Peter now come back fresh. It's these guys are in trouble. You know, it's a stacked division, isn't it? It's got to be the right fights for him. But uh, are you still I know, with him? I, I just speak to Peter. I haven't spoken to him, but I have a feeling the future will be working. You know, I, I just really want to talk to you for his next camp. Do you think it's like important for him to work with you at Tiger? It's up to Peter wherever we go. I go away with Peter. I went there, American top team with Peter. You know, Peter just camps everywhere. It, it, it doesn't matter where Peter goes or where he goes. Peter could train with anybody once, but I've got a close relationship with Peter. You know, I'll always be in touch with Peter and always help him and fight. You know, and I'll always be involved with Peter. We're, we're close guys, you know. But I want the best for Peter, whatever it may be. If he's going to do this right, He's got one good chance on it, and if he does it, that's all he needs, one chance, and he can take over. Before the Song Yudong fight, he pulled out because of an injury. Did he tell you what that was? No, it was, uh, I'd just say that, like, timing's everything. It, it wasn't in the right time for it, you know. Song Yudong is no easy fight either, you know. It's like... He's a beast. He needs he can hit and he's got power you know Peter needs to get himself into a full training camp you know the guy is not in a full training camp he's just taking over now he's training a bit more consistent but next year any of these guys that talk to the ones fights it'll be different what do you remember about the Piotr Yan fight with Jose Aldo did you fly out to Abu Dhabi with him yeah so it was like the COVID at that time, you know, was they were the first in the, the, the bubble. We had to do two weeks in the bubble. And, ah, oh, it was crazy. But that camp was phenomenal. This was like, every belt that we won, like, it's just been nothing fancy. Old school, like on a shared floor and a shed. We'd, we'd just done it the old school way. Peter had a villa. And we, most guys was off off the island, gone home, it was like evacuated, and we could just take in Raphael, and Raphael's a big guy, like, you know, and then there might be a video somewhere, these guys are going at it, and, uh, but we went the old school way, it was just, that camp was brilliant, there was nobody beating Peter Yan that camp. Did you take out Fazeev to do the sparring rounds with Yan for that camp? Well, uh, there was everywhere was closed down. He was still on the island. Peter was still on the island, and we were just like in a little uh, garage floor, you know, outside the villa. And we just put mats down, and we just went old school. We trained outside the villas, went running around the lakes, you know, you know, got a treadmill, done sprints in the house, you know. It was real, real, really hard for you. Sorry, sorry, I interrupted. Go on. It was like a real old Rocky story, you know, like the old school Rocky film just in COVID times. It was phenomenal. I've got a really hard question for you. Who is the single best fighter that you've ever worked with? Oh, so that that is a hard one, you know, because 
everybody's got their own best parts, you know. There's no fighter. I don't class anyone better than anybody. Everybody's special in their own way. I love some people for certain things. Anatoly, I love the fun to have with the guy. The guy is phenomenal. The power, Anatoly is the hardest hitting heavyweight out there. I don't care who's out there. One touch of that hand, they just go with it. The guy is phenomenal. Peter Ann special. I have a bomb with Peter. The, the, the times we had, you know, we connect and training. Tim Zoo, Fabricio, they're all like the year I had with Fabricio. We're just bouncing off each other with books and ideas and every every fighter. I love them all. I'll be blessed, you know. Final question of the show Who gave you the nickname John Boy Boxing? Where did this come from? So uh, that's a good one. Uh, in my family, there was three Johns. My granddad, Johnny, and then my uncle was Big John. So I was Small John or John Boy. And that's how it ended up like that. You know, there was three Johns. So, <laughs> what a good name. It's stuck now, isn't it? John Boy Boxing. I didn't know at the start what to say. Now everybody, is that Johnny Boy Boxing? <laughs> That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, John, for coming on the show. Is there any final remarks or a message you want to have to tell the fans at home as we wrap up the podcast? Just keep watching. Let's make history. Let's go. Thank you for everything. Follow John on Instagram, link in the description, and follow Anything Combat on Spotify. See you guys next time.